Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Four guests, three countries. One topic so big that even I'm not going to waste time punning about it. This is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast Mental Health Special. Cricket. Hello and welcome to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. We're recording on Sunday the 5th of April 2020 and today we're taking what advantage we can from COVID-19 pulling the emergency stop cord on the never-ending treadmill of global cricket and turning from matters physical to mental. I'm your host, Nakul Pande, and I'm joined by a tri-continental panel to explore cricket's role in improving and sustaining mental health, where we are with cricket's understanding of mental health, and how the COVID crisis is affecting both of those things. Uh, so with no further ado, let me introduce the panel. Martin Cropper is a personal development manager with the PCA, the representative body for professional cricketers here in England and Wales. Hello, Martin. Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone's well. Thank you for having me today. And it's not just the professionals who need help sometimes. Mark Boynes is the founder of Opening Up Cricket, a non-profit that promotes mental well-being and suicide prevention through cricket at all levels of the game. Mark, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Shifting continents into India, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, live from Bombay, editor and co-founder of our friends at Crip Tracker, Ankit Mishra. Ankit, hope you're well. Yeah, good doing well. Thank you for having me. And finally, joining us down the line from Melbourne, a bona fide cricket legend and boon, not you, David, uh, to all of us in these live cricketless times, the originator and curator of uh, the Robolinda YouTube channel, Rob Moody. Good uh, evening, gents. Good morning to you. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, for all agreeing to come on the show. Let me start by asking each of you to give me a kind of a quick sketch of where mental health fits into the work you do in cricket and how the sport has impacted your own mental health. Rob, we'll start with you. And also, how long have you been taping and keeping cricket at the sort of industrial scale that you do and uh, kind of touching, I'd like you to touch on possibly, you know, how cricket, you are a, probably a more than usually invested fan, uh, given the, given your, um, given your collection, your output. So just, I'd like you to touch on kind of how cricket has kept you going. Well, I've been doing it since about 1982, 83, since, since I was a kid. 
just recording cricket off TV. It's always uh, seemed a pretty fun thing to do. And uh, any time I've got spare time when I'm not working, you know, I'll uh, just work on organising my my archive. But it's great to uh, to have the spare time now, enforced as it is, unfortunately. But uh, it's uh, certainly uh, it's been great to connect with fans on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on on YouTube. Everyone's at home. Everyone uh, wants to see matches. Uh, There's obviously a dearth of matches on TV. There's not much to see. (laughs) Uh, We've got a few channels here, uh, like you guys have in in England as well, showing a a few matches. But the appetite for fans is enormous, especially when they've got so much spare time. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just trying to do my bit to give whatever footage I can to, to the fans out there who are requesting it. And a fine job you do. Uh, Ankit, so, uh, the same question to you, kind of, uh, with the with some of the work that you guys do at Crick Tracker and, and your own personal um, journey through um, through being a fan of the sport and then and working in the sport, uh, I'd like to, you to give me a sense of where, uh, where mental health fits into all that. So for uh, most of us here in India, cricket has been like, the biggest sport for us growing up. And uh, every time we'll, we had like a personal low or anything, we looked at cricket. Uh, personally for me, I was uh, I got into cricket professionally when I was at a low in my life. And this gave me hope. Uh, the fact that the Indian team has been doing really well in the last few decades. Uh, from the time Sachin Tendulkar was on the rise to now when they are doing really well across formats. It has been uh, sort of a source of hope for a very large piece of audience. Uh, I will not be surprised if 700-800 million people in India follow cricket religiously. Uh, it's a country of a billion, so at least that many people look at cricket uh, with a lot of intense interest. And uh, that is why every every match, every tournament is so important for us because uh, we keep a lot of our emotions attached to it. So when the team is on a high, we are on a mental high. Irrespective of what is happening in your personal lives, you look at a cricket match, you see your stars performing there and people are on a high. So that is a very large piece that cricket does for us mentally. Even for me personally, it has done that when uh, when we see a match that's exciting, irrespective of country, uh, we get pumped up. That uh, it elevates you and yeah, that is what cricket has done for a lot of us here. I think there's a lot of people listening and probably a lot of people on this panel who can empathise with that. Mark, tell us a bit about Opening Up Cricket, uh, how it started and how it works. Yeah, Opening Up Cricket has been going now since 2014. And the the reason for setting up the, the group was through uh, a mixture of my own experience and that of a, a friend that I, I played with at my club in, in Liverpool. So we lost to suicide a teammate of mine uh, a friend called Alex Miller in December of 2012. So in the time that followed that, I had a lot of different emotions g- going on with regarding how to, to deal with that loss. And what became really clear to me in the year that followed was Alex's case was not isolated, wasn't something that was uh, a one-off. It was actually something which has a bigger impact on our society than the, the most people know. And it's hidden away this um the impacts of of suicide and mental ill health. So as time went along, I thought the best way of trying to give a legacy for for a friend and also to try and help other people was to marry up cricket, which was 
Alex's greatest passion um, and trying to get people to talk about mental health and to talk about how they're feeling, not just from a reactive way in terms of just um, when you reach a crisis having to seek help. Often that will be the hardest thing to do to talk about, about it then, but in actual fact to look at it more proactively. And our sport is, I think, the best example going of how much of it is around your mental skills and your mental fitness. So we really try with that angle to get to people and say things that are good for your mental health and help you be better at cricket as well. And for some, that can be the real introduction to engaging with it. But at all levels of the, the mental health continuum from our optimal states at the top to our worst at the bottom, we think cricket has a really important role to play. So over these years, we've just been trying with a few different ways, with different sessions, resources, stuff online, to get that message out to people that they have a stake in their health, that they can do things that influence it really positively. And cricket is the key for that. Yeah, I can, I can I, again, I can speak to that as, as um, I'll come on to that later, actually, in the in the show. But uh, But I think those words will resonate with a lot of people, and I'm sure that's why. Uh, opening up cricket has become uh, become a resource that a lot of people have used at all levels of the game. And actually, going up to the top level, uh, Martin, you work with professional cricketers on on this. And I'm right in thinking you're a mental health. Uh, you've got uh, um, some qualifications in mental health, so this is something you've been in um, professionally invested in for a while. Yes, yeah, I've been working with the uh, Professional Cricket Association actually a year tomorrow. Um, so yeah, coming into that as a professional development manager, I. Um, Previously did a master's in sport and physical activity and mental health at Edgehill, um, which was always a keen interest moving on from my sport development degree. I've always found the concept of mental health and what sport does at the elite level or sport generally does to people's mental health. And I know it's one of the questions you sent through to us about about the positive impact, but also maybe some of the challenges it have. So that was always a big interest area. And as part of that, I did some mental health first aid qualifications and so forth. Um, And then, yeah, as I said, last year, I started working at the PCM. And mental health is a fundamental part of what we do. Our our role is to champion the interests of um, professional cricketers in England and Wales. And as part of that, we deliver what's called the Personal Development and Welfare Programme. Um, of which covers all strands, which are welfare and well-being, professional behaviours, career development and career and um, career change and transition. And looking at that holistic approach to mental health and well-being is, is, is sort of fundamental to us. Um, you know, we, we aim through that to enable individuals to excel and develop sustainable performance within and outside of cricket and look at what is going on in players' lives that they can do now to support performance, but also to think beyond their cricket career. Um, and obviously, as we'll know, professional cricket, like any sort of high-pressure environment, comes with lots of challenges and um, threats to mental health and well-being, but also comes with quite a lot of rewards. So it's about helping players understand what what they enjoy, why they play cricket, why they want to maximise their cricket career, but also to be prepared for the realities of that of that career path. Um, so for me to come in and work in that environment has been fantastic. And I think actually what it's really reiterated to me is how how important mental health and the conversation around mental health is within the professional game. 
um, and how much is being done at our level at the PCA as the Players Union, but also working collaboratively with the ECB and the First Class Counties to really create effective pathways and support for players who are in crisis and who need support, but also to promote and to, you know, to reiterate Mark's message to maybe change the, the conversation and look at how we can allow players to flourish both in and out of their career and not just look at that um, triage or supporting those players who need it at crisis level so it's a really interesting um piece of work that we do and you know i'm really enjoying being involved in that in those conversations and that work so how many personal development managers are there and how many how many players would you manage is that split up geographically well there's six the six personal development managers around the country each of us deal with um or responsible for three counties so for myself, currently, I'm actively working with around 68 professional players across Gloucestershire, Glamorgan and Somerset. We also work with the academies, doing an educational programme, providing one-to-one support, because although academy players aren't members of the PCA, because they're not professional cricketers yet, we think it's vitally important that we start to educate and support them before they transition into the game. And transition's a big conversation point for us around transitioning from academy into your first contract, then becoming a senior player, moving in and out the first and second team, and then you know moving out of the game, maybe going up to international level. So yeah, there's, there's, we are split up regionally, so um, there's the North Counties and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a growing piece of work. We, we could, in other professional sports, you might be regarded as a lifestyle practitioner or a lifestyle advisor. Um, I know that the RPA, for instance, in rugby, they, they have a really um, solid program as well. Um, the ACA in Australia, they have a huge personal development team as well. So it's, it's a real growing area in elite sport because I think, as Mark said, cricket especially is a, is a real mental game. And I think it's the sort of final frontier for sort of sports science to come into the game and to really take the game to another level. We talk about the one percenters from the strength and condition and so forth. And actually the psychological support for playing skills is growing, but also how do you support people holistically? Because obviously that will help on field performance and there's plenty of research and academic studies which support that. Um, so yeah, it is a piece of work that we are continuing to grow. I think we would classify ourselves as world leading and you know, we're really proud of the work that we do. Well, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that that the people we watch and rely on for for cricketing entertainment are so well so well supported. I think you mentioned transition, and we're in uh, a sort of transition period of undefined length at the moment. And the theme I kept coming back to, and the thing that kept becoming a more interesting question the more I thought about it, was: Is cricket doing enough right now? So, what? How has the COVID shutdown and the fact that there isn't actually any live cricket, and there's a certain be a certain amount of uncertainty with uh with players contracts and uh, uh, as much as anything else and uh, uh as well as the mental stresses that many of us are feeling uh, as a result of uh isolation and social distancing procedures um so you you've described very well what the personal development manager and what the pca does in quote unquote normal times how does that change during uh during covid well yeah it's a really interesting question and actually i think it's probably just a ramping up of work i think uh where some people who maybe have their work slowed down recently, ours has gone sort of through the roof, which is great for our, our engagement with the players and so forth. So, so in a normal situation, we have a really effective and efficient mental health pathway um, through our partnership with Sporting Chance. And as part of that, we have a, a 24-7 helpline, which is currently available for all players. Um, we make sure that any player can receive the appropriate report should they need specialist services. So they might... Uh, 
come to me and present uh, some challenges that they might be experiencing and we'll do sort of a, an initial screening and work out what the right port of call is and that might then lead to a referral through to, to Sporting Chance who then, after the initial conversation with the player, will look to see them within 14 days through, you know, through a therapist or a trained um, practitioner need, dependent on their needs. Um, we are in contact with players pretty much daily, if not weekly, at this current time. Um, actually, as you'll probably have seen, quite a lot of coaching staff around the country have been furloughed. So actually, our role is really important at the moment to maintain welfare and well-being and keep in touch with players. And subsequently, what we've created is a sort of a well-being tracker, um, which is allowing us to keep an idea, an idea of where players are at, what players are up to. Um, what players might be red flags or high risks for players maybe who live on their own, players living in different countries, um, players who maybe have previously used our referral services. Um, and that document is allowing us really to keep on top of what's going on and make sure that if a player does need to go further than sort of the, the, the welfare support that we provide is to then pass them on to that referral pathway. And we're really promoting um, what's a social isolation guide, which we created. And this is looking at things such as reading, um, podcasts, um, educational sport that players can engage with during this time to fill their time. And actually, I think we've discussed this with the clubs and as ourselves as a PDM team. And I think we want to really try and reframe this as a time of opportunity for these players. Um, how often in their professional careers, as you said before, it's just a, it's just constantly going for these young, for all players. And actually, how many of them will actually have maybe three to six to eight weeks to just sit back, spend time with family enjoy that time spend some time on their other interests you know we talk about identity a lot within professional athletes and um, identity being something which can have a real big impact on people's resilience mental health both in career and out of career and we really want to encourage players to look at this as a chance to broaden their identity delve into some of their interest areas um, you know for instance a couple of lads have worked with one of the counties once bought some decks and is now starting to practice some dj another lads bought a guitar um, someone's spending some time doing some climate change research so we're trying to get them to identify things that really matter to them outside of their cricket so they can enjoy this time and use it as a time for growth also you know for a lot of professional athletes in cricket football and whatever it may be their schedule and timetable is often presented to them and they follow that. So actually now this is a chance for them to, to manage themselves and to say, what do I need to do to, to fulfill my day? What's my purpose today? I do my training because obviously when the, if hopefully we have cricket at some point this season, um, those lads need to be ready to go. So they need to be on top of that and they need to fill their time accordingly. So I suppose it's a big element of reframing things and, and talking about how they can look at this as opportunity. I think the other thing we are pushing is, is sort of mental health apps. So we have a mental health app called Thrive, which is based around CBT approaches, but also has a great chance has mindfulness and meditation. So we, we push that as well at the current time. Um, yeah, and I suppose this builds on our normal work where we, you know, as Mark from Opening Up Cricket's coming and delivered some academy workshops for us this year, which have been really successful. We believe in the education piece being really important and make, growing awareness and literacy around mental health. Um, with our partners from Sporting Chance and Epic Gambling, they've come in and talked about addictive behaviours over the last couple of years and um, really talked honest and open stories, which players can then take away from there. Um, so yeah, we do, we do a huge amount within the within the area. We've just done a mental health review as well, which has informed our current um, work that we're doing. And I think finally, we're working really closely with the first class counties and the support staff that they have, 
who are actually doing a fantastic job tracking them at this time. And it is really challenging. You know, a, a, a report, um, a newspaper article from Stephen Sylvester, who used to be the physio, so I used to be the psychologist at Middlesex, who now works in professional football, he said, actually what you'll see is this is a real threat to the player's identity because they've been training all winter. I've been there in the gym, um, in and around the sports hall all winter. These lads have been smashing the fitness, hitting loads of balls. They're ready to go. And then all of a sudden, it just is gone. Their purpose, it's just out the window so whilst yeah a lot of players say, oh, you know it's there's worse things going on in the world than cricket actually if we put it in perspective for these lads this is their be all and end all this is what they've they've known since they were five years old they've been growing to this point and training for it and i don't think there's anything wrong in saying actually this is challenging for these players but we really need to make sure that we work with them collaboratively with the multidisciplinary teams to support them and if need be pass them on to the appropriate services that we have I've heard quite a few players talk about their struggles with with identity and with um, with how cricket became too big a part of their identity or became their complete identity. Like most notably in recent years, Jonathan Trott and and Robin Smith really affectingly uh, in in his recent book um, talks about that. So it look I mean, in England, it seems that the the conversation is pretty advanced, and I know um, in in Australia that mental health and uh, and it's various uh, various aspects, whether physical through concussion or whether um, um, cognitive through um, uh, in depression and other areas, has has been taken quite seriously. Uh, Ankit, I'm, I'm bring you in here. India has certainly the biggest player pool of uh, of any professional uh, of any major nation, and and cricket is uh, as is completely all pervading um far far be below the professional level right down to um you know it, it's the way that um hundreds of thousands if not millions of families uh look for look for advancement through their through their talented uh kids where is the conversation about mental health and indian cricket and indian cricket fandom uh so in general indian society as you would know is very conservative and we are very slowly opening up to this idea in general uh, so now you see the talks about mental health and reaching out to therapists and all of that starting to happen in the urban circles. Uh, it was still considered a taboo like maybe three or four years ago. So uh, as far as cricket is concerned, uh, we do not have a specific coach or a professional working with the team. They do uh, hire a physical conditioning coach or a psychologist for major ICC tournaments. Uh, the BCC has done that for the last few years. Uh, they also have taken a step to advise the Ranji Trophy teams to hire mental conditioning coaches. Uh, there is no position as such uh, in the Indian team. Uh, what they do is uh, the extended coaching staff that the coaches carry with them have professionals who, without that tag, do help the team with that. So they have routines in place. Uh, they go for meditative practices, uh, some, uh, they also have like yoga and all of those sessions happening with the team, uh, which is supposed to do a very large uh, piece of the mental health training. Uh, apart from that, what we've seen over the years is the players and the whole unit helping each other out. When you are a professional cricketer in India, you've already like reached early. So uh, there the, the talk and the support that they get is very different, but it is still at the support level. We do not have a practice in place where uh, they, can, they can come up with the challenges that they are facing or they get help at that level. 
uh, apart from that in terms of the fandom like i said very conservative country we are slowly opening up to that idea uh, but still a long way to go uh, what i hear is happening in australia and in england we probably should be doing that already but it might take us a few years to get there yeah, a, lot, a lot in indian cricket i think this is sometimes underestimated how how slowly indian cricket um moves um and there's a certain element of um on in a cricketing sense only investing when they're winning uh witness the growth in odi cricket after the 1983 world cup and the fact that india almost didn't take part in the 2007 t20 world cup then they won it a year later the ipl starts um and uh in terms of the, the ipl is actually a really interesting uh question right because we should be into the into the ipl uh properly right now um with the IPL, it's you're, it's constant. You're playing you're playing a game every three four days in different cities. You're you're in this team bubble the whole time. How seriously do IPL teams, with their resources, take their players and staff's mental health? Do they have people uh, on staff, and do you know of anything that they're doing to reach out to their players who cover all income uh, levels across international cricket and all profile levels, right from you know established international superstars some people right at the end of their international careers and then uh some people first really just first breaking into professional cricket um is is this conversation are conversations like the one we're having now happening within those ipl teams do you know so the best part about uh the ipl teams and in general cricket teams in india is that there is a very good connect between the players and the support staff uh, so every uh, player and uh, looks up to people in the support staff and IPL teams have also made sure that they have people who understand these things. They've hired professionals. Again, there is no uh, official position, but they've hired professionals to help the players because IPL is very taxing physically and extremely, extremely challenging. So for players to run through the entire duration of the tournament, they need to be mentally prepared and mentally fit to run the course of the tournament. They have hired professionals and uh, what I've heard from very young players who've just broken through, maybe an uncapped player, they get the, uh, they are made accustomed to the whole environment and there are individuals in the support staff who take care of them, who not just take care of their cricket, but how they uh, come up to the stage, how they adopt to this challenge and maybe some of them might not get a game for the entire tournament. How they cope up with that situation, there are people who take care of these things and even for the, those who are playing maybe 13 or 14 matches in the tournament, they are uh, there are people who care for that. Uh, again, I am not very clear on how professionally it is happening and who those individuals are. But uh, what I've heard from players is that there are people who take care of these things. And uh, whenever they face a challenge, uh, it could be like uh, ahead of an important match or midway through the season they are given that time to uh, come back and yeah there is something that is happening it's very it's very classically indian and and i have an interesting experience of this being of indian heritage but not not living there and going there every three four years or so and seeing this um seeing it kind of as a semi-outsider everything is done slightly ad hoc and uh everything is sort of very improvised improvised solutions um there's a very yuvraj singh who's one of the more outspoken uh, and um, singular-minded Indian players said something very interesting very recently, which um, it kind of touches on a point you made and, uh, and a point I want to come to, and it will be of particular interest to, uh, to Martin. He was saying that 
uh, obviously India haven't had a uh, anyone uh, a, a psychologist or a mental health coach on a permanent basis since 2011. They did have Paddy Upton uh, in the in the years under Gary Kirsten for a couple of years running up to the 2011 World Cup. Uh, he is no longer associated with the Indian cricket team, uh, so there's no there's no full time. Uh, member of staff uh, associated and traveling with the team, uh, which, uh, given the BCCI's uh, resources and the demands made on the uh, on the players, seems um, seems frankly uh, negligent. And he, uh, Yuvraj, is the first Indian player. I know he's recently retired. The first Indian player I've heard to call for a players' union. So, why India does not have a players' union? Um, why not? And I've kind of answered this question in in the asking of it, but why does it need? Why and how does it need one? Uh, so Indian cricket in general is almost everything but the BCCI. So the BCCI runs it as they wish, and it is a very archaic body where you have uh, very slow moving. You have decisions taken that may need yours to happen. Uh, some of those things do happen very quickly, which definitely has direct. Uh, monetary benefit for the BCCI, but otherwise things take a very long time to happen. We've been talking about a players' union for at least the last two, two or three years very seriously. We've also heard names of uh, some of the legends from Indian cricket who might sit on that panel, but uh, there's no date set for it and there's uh, definitely no timeline for it where we expect some action to be taken. Uh, in general, the whole reason for this not happening is that the BCCI wants to run the course as they wish, and there's nobody, literally nobody, who could challenge it. Uh, the players, till they are active cricketers, uh, you will never hear them talk about any of this. Uh, anybody who's retired would also still want to not talk about it because there's there are several contracts that they're eyeing. Uh, somebody like Yuvraj also has to face all of those things, but then he's had like he's one of those heroes. So with him talking about it is a very big thing. I've heard people like Kapil Dev talk about it and we've also heard he might be a part of the Players Association. Uh, we do need that because uh, even though the elite professional cricketers have all the resources that they would, they have everything at their disposal, but there are millions in India who want to become cricket. And there are mil- like hundreds of thousands who are trying to play it at a professional level. So. The need for it is very apparent, but uh, when the BCCI does it, it totally depends on the BCCI. Now that we do have Saurav Ganguly, who's acting as a, a very proactive president, I do hope something around this should happen faster. Uh, just just for a bit of context on both of those, Saurav Ganguly's term only lasts until the end of this year, I think. There is a body that's been set up in the last couple of years for retired uh, cricketers headed by I think Anshuman Gekwad, uh, a former a former Indian cricketer, uh, but that is only for for retired players and is essentially a sort of uh, a sort of benefit fund uh, to to help people who've who've fallen on fallen on hard times. Um, we'll we'll take a little a pause at this point and let you know how you can support the podcast and support the show. We need your alternative cricket commentary, bringing you laughs, bringing you jingles, bringing you joy. We are gorillas. We need your Patreon.com forward slash gorilla cricket. 
You're listening to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast Mental Health Special with me, Knuckle M. Pandey. I'm with PCA Personal Development Manager Martin Cropper, founder of Opening Up Cricket, Mark Boynes, editor and co-founder of Crick Tracker, Ankit Mishra, and curator of the Robolinda YouTube channel, Rob Moody. So we've talked about where cricket is with mental health in the professional game in the UK and in India, but those questions of cricket's impact on mental health and vice versa are just as relevant for recreational and club players and for viewers, listeners and fans. And we'd be remiss not to explore that. Um, Mark, this is essentially the same question I, uh, I put to Martin, but in terms of you would describe some of the work that you do in quote unquote normal times. How does opening up crickets uh, work change in these, in these, in these shutdown times? It is tricky because we were about to embark on a summer of going out to clubs and having sessions and having face-to-face conversations uh, having just had a winter of, of going around university uh, cricket clubs. So initially when the diary now that I'm looking at has got a lot of crosses or TBCs next to them, um, it's been a case of trying to improvise and to try and use what we do have available. So I've started along the road of, of, of having webinars and having online sessions, which do lack the, the personal touch that we get by being in a room or, or in a setting with the players but at least give people the opportunity to access it remotely. We don't need to to spend all the time on the road getting to different places. So a bit like Martin said, I think this this has to be viewed as a period of of opportunity. And that's not to diminish the challenges and and the pressures that are existing. But for a lot of us who who are in a position where we, we, we can dedicate some extra spare time to things, I think the opportunity really is the key. So... Along with those webinars and the, and the web-based stuff, what I've been, been trying to do is to, to, to get in touch slowly with the clubs and the groups that I have worked with to say a mixture. What, do, what can we do to make sure that people um, look after their mental health during this particular time where one of our greatest tools to promoting good mental health, that of being connected with each other, is at risk, but also with the opportunity, what can we do to plan for when we do get back outside and we kind of ride, ride the wave of optimism that we'll have when we finally are playing cricket to say, how is mental health or mental fitness going to be even more a part of our conversation? Because my view has always, always been that in the UK, and I'm sure this is the case in other parts of the world, we've actually missed out a big part of what we should be talking about when it comes to mental health. We've dived straight in to being sympathetic and to trying to look out for people when they have problems, which is great. And that's done in some parts really well and some parts not so well. But we've missed out the aspirational bits, the bits that hopefully would get people engaging with it. So much like Martin and the guys at PCA are advocating for the professional players, we're trying our best to get people to see what they can engage with to keep learning during this time, using cricket as the, as the theme to come out at the end of this, whether it's a matter of weeks or months, and say, I was able to do this, which has now left me in a better position, a more resilient position than I was in at the beginning. That's not, of course, discounting where struggles will exist. So we definitely have the aspect as well of saying, if people are needing support, people need to get through this, and we're advocating all the tools there. But we have to broaden this so that mental health is a topic for everyone, not just people who are, who are going through a difficult time. Because a Desmond Tutu quote um, just hits the nail on the head. If, 
And if we're seeing people uh, drowning, instead of just pulling them out of the river, why aren't we going upstream to see why they're falling in? And I think that as a theme, as an ethos for how we approach mental health and sport has a lot of power. And this time, yeah, I suppose in conclusion is where we can really take stock, learn to be more reflective and think about what we're doing and what we're doing for others. To coin a cliche, teach a man to swim. Uh, but, so that that's uh, that's an interesting, uh, it's a very interesting take on kind of why you see cricket's role in helping people with mental health and mental illness. Is a mental mental health and well-being and resilience and giving people the tools that they need to uh, to be able to to live their lives as they want to live without uh, with as few of these mental blocks and barriers to performance and to, and to health and happiness. Um, without once they've gone past the stage of acute uh, of acute intervention, and that's um, sort of something any any good therapist would um, would also uh, would back you up on that. Um, this is a question for kind of for both of you, Mark and Rob. Um, what can we do to we don't have live cricket? We don't have a watching cricket on TV, and then also you know playing cricket and the social aspect. I think there is slightly too much made in this country of the post-match drink culture, but it is even just hang, just spending time with your teammates. It doesn't have to be in an alcoholic sense, although inevitably once you get past a certain age in the UK, and I'm sure the same is true in Australia, it is. Uh, um, what, what things can we do to replicate those elements of connection and of joy? You know, there is there, we are being affected by the lack of cricket because it means something to us and there is something that we're missing what can what can we do to replicate that well uh, certainly oh you want to go mark no go on rob let, let, let you go mate well i was just going to say obviously in this country it's a, it's slightly different uh, only because our season has already ended uh with the english season just starting it's obviously devastating for the english fans and the players uh here, it's the only thing we would have had coming up was the IPL. And that's only a relatively small portion of Aussie players uh, anyway. So I'm assuming the only other cricket that Aussie players were going to play would be English candy cricket. And again, only a small selection. So I'm assuming there's a lot of players stuck at home, <laughs> as they might have been anyway, probably just taking a end-of-season break. Uh, but I'm sure it won't be too long before... Uh, their own pre-season starts sort of in the middle of, of, of winter. Uh, so I guess it's it's pretty tough for those people, especially, I guess, depending on how long this thing lasts. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's uh, kind of at the, at the professional um, level, but in terms of the, in terms of recreational players and, and, and fans of cricket, yeah, um, you know, cricket is, a, a year-round and, and thankfully, I think, increasingly global game. Um, so, I mean, Mark, you've talked a little bit about what uh, some of the things that you're doing in terms of webinars and in terms of uh, trying to replicate the um, the face-to-face experience as much as you can um, for for people in clubs and in uh, and in recreational settings. And I guess university cricket would be not quite winding down. Actually, university cricket is barely barely starting in terms of actual playing cricket right now but um but rob something interesting happened with your your channel the icc liaised with you to open up uh and they're opening up their match archive to broadcasters and on their social 
media channels um cricket does a remarkably bad job of being accessible to people uh on compared to compared to other sports it's it's amazing what stuff is not out there and what stuff is is geo-blocked and in the way behind paywalls and we as guerrilla cricket have fallen foul of this in terms of uh, youtube strikes for you know we are the stuff we put out is is footage of us in a studio with a green screen we're not showing any match footage and uh i don't think that's i don't know what the record is for most number of uh uh takedowns and and copyright messages on one account but you must be pretty close uh through absolutely through absolutely no fault of your own but in terms of are you seeing now a more op- more openness among governing bodies to uh to try and to try and bring cricket out in in into an accessible yeah into into being accessible to people well they're really forced to aren't they i mean the the fans are desperate to, to see footage and the icc have been i think ridiculously behind the times uh with making uh, past footage available i mean i get requests from current players former players county players you know all the time for, for footage that someone's got <laughs> people want to see it so it was nice that the ICC let me know that they were going to be opening up the archive in some manner, though they didn't say what they were going to do. But they just told me to, you know, get rid of any ICC event footage off my channel because they didn't want to see me shut down, which was really great. Um, they didn't have to do that. But everyone was pretty keen on seeing what uh, they were going to do with it. So far, it's been, I think, disappointing uh, with what they've put up there which is just on their Facebook page as a Facebook Live uh, event. Uh, but hopefully, you know, there's a lot of fans that want to see see killer stuff like 83 World Cup, you know, things that a lot of people were too young to remember. Um, 83, 87, they showed some 92 stuff, which was good. That's the stuff that people really want to see. So there's a lot of fans out there. I mean, there's a ridiculously massive amount of cricket fans in the... The internet is just so huge and all, all those fans are, are constantly communicating. Uh, I mean, my channel gets flooded. My, my Twitter and Facebook gets just completely bombarded, uh, especially the last few weeks since uh, the various countries have gone in, into lockdown. So uh, if the ICC continue to show and open up their, their archive uh, as they're currently doing, that'd be really great. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, very much so. Um, what is out there is amazing, and what you and um, uh, Minak in, in India, Desi Robalinda, as he calls himself on, on Twitter, has put out with Indian and, and Asian cricket is uh, is pretty amazing. Um, but more of that sort of thing. Um, and kind of tying all this together, so we, we talked about this in terms of the impact that this can have on sustaining uh, sustaining people's happiness and, and joy and replicating some of the joy that we all get from watching cricket by being able to delve back into stuff we remember, stuff we loved watching at the time, stuff we want to watch more in depth than we saw it at the time, uh, or stuff that we've heard of and have never seen before, um, or and finding, you know, finding new classics, new, new heroes that they might not have might not have realised that were that were there before, um, but also there you listen to to cricketers particularly in in developing in developing cricket nations and in 
countries that don't have the infrastructure and and pathways that say England and Australia do uh, and this is particularly true I think of spin bowlers uh, I've heard Rashid Khan talk about this uh, he learned people learn to bowl or learn to play by watching their heroes on YouTube and there's a there's a phrase that's become quite important with with women's sport you can't be what you can't see so having those having all that out there having that accessible to people um can only be be a good thing uh for the game um and um (laughs) Ankit I'm sure this will be relevant to to you and a number of Indian fans I mean one of the (laughs) one uh, one of the great innings in Indian cricket history a couple days 175 is not available because it was never filmed Oh, that that is actually the biggest pain for a lot of people, and I would have personally loved to watch that innings too. Uh, when it comes to footages, uh, BCCI is very very restrictive of it. You cannot get access to it, even if you post it on your personal social media. We've seen BCCI try and take that down. Uh, so we know their stance very clearly on that. Uh, the to be very honest, the broadcast rights sell very expensive in India. And somebody like Star, who's acquired it for thousands of crores, uh, wouldn't want others to use those footages. So, in in any case, if it is a good match happening in India or like overseas, uh, the BCCI themselves don't post a lot of uh, those clips on their social media or otherwise. They just want it to be exclusive with the providers and the broadcasters try to have very strict control over it. Uh, if you try and upload even a small snippet out of a video, even like a one cover drive, you will be caught for it. So there's no way you can use any footage from anywhere. The BCCI website does have uh, an archive of stuff over the last three years, but it is one of the most frustrating sites I've ever used uh, in, in terms of actually being able to find what you want. Um, but I think the... If there is a theme to this this podcast, is, is 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 cricket doing enough, and what can cricket do? And I'm very glad to see that the ICC are starting to get on board with that in terms of supporting the work that that you've done over many many years, Rob, and and in terms of the work that um, Martin and Mark and others are doing uh, in the professional and in the recreational game in England. Um, I'm very glad that people are. Uh, are looking at this as not just a crisis to be managed, but as as an opportunity to, um, you know, a period of time which can be uh, of, out of which um, something positive can come. Um, that That's almost it for this special edition of the Guru Cricket Podcast. But before we go, there is something I'd like to say. A GC mental health panel is an idea I've been knocking around for a while. And the reason for that is that this is a subject very close to my heart and my mind and my brain. I've been formally diagnosed as having depression since 2012 anxiety since 2018 i'm currently seeking a formal diagnosis for adhd and in the case of all of those conditions i've been living with the effects and symptoms of them for far longer probably far longer than i know even now uh i take a daily ssri antidepressant to manage my depression i've been in some form of therapy since before my first formal diagnosis for for a very long time i've made no secret of my mental health it's on my twitter bio i've never made any secret of my mental illness history but I think that's the first time I've said it all in one go in a public setting. Uh, And the public bit matters because the more we talk, the less alone we feel and the easier this all gets. Not necessarily evenly, not necessarily quickly. Uh, It's not the case that, uh, and it's not the case that there won't be setbacks, but uh, talking helps eventually and it talking helps 
for real through talking about cricket on air, on social media and in person to and with the guerrilla cricket community uh, and the wider cricket community, I've been able to come to a greater understanding and acceptance of myself faster than I could have thought possible, really. And if the discussion we've just had has done a bit of that for even one person, it'll have been worth it. If you want to talk publicly or privately, find me on Twitter. I'm not a medical or mental health professional, but I do get it and I am listening. Um, I I didn't want to I didn't want to go without without saying that. Um, but that does bring us to an end of this uh, very special edition. We we fling thank yous far and wide here in the UK. We thank personal development manager at the PCA, Martin Cropper. Thank you very much for having me. It was uh, I really enjoyed that, and thank you very much for sharing at the end. I think it's a vital message. Founder of Opening Up Cricket, Mark Boynes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I'll just say to anyone listening, not only is this a chance for, for opportunity, but also it's a chance to really try to, to connect with people and maybe think in your club setting or your cricket setting, is there someone that could do with a, with a ring or a text or something just to make them feel like they've got that support? Here, here. Uh, in, in Bombay, thank you to co-founder and editor of Crick Tracker, Ankit Mishra. Thank you. It was a pleasure and I'm very happy to have been a part of this podcast where we talked about something which is really important and not talked about in India. And I do hope uh, in the coming years we get professionals working and there are people who uh, players can reach out to anytime. Absolutely. And finally, in Melbourne, thank you to uh, Rob Moody uh, of the Rubber Linda YouTube channel. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was, it was great to hear everyone chat and it was uh, awesome to be part of it. Thanks. And special thanks as ever to producer John in isolation in glorious West Yorkshire. Remember, if you sign up as a patron at any donation level at patreon.com forward slash Gorilla Cricket, you get all of our podcasts a day early. With the financial strains around in these bizarre times, your continuing support is greatly, greatly appreciated. We understand if you can't structure that, but uh, if you can't, we won't leave you podless. Just search for the Gorilla Cricket podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and Podbean. If you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a nice review and a five-star rating. really helps us out. Please share the pod with your friends, acquaintances, and that person who sat behind you at that game one time and you quite liked. Yeah, that one. Weren't they nice? Uh, keep an eye on Guerrilla Cricket's social media channels for news of our cricket in the time of corona content. It's already been announced that we'll be part of the commentary team for the Cricketer Magazine's eSports cricket tournament, the Quarantine Cup, and there'll be plenty more in that sort of fun and creative vein. We here at the GC Podcast will be back next week with a look at the effect the COVID-19 crisis is having on cricket outside of the big three, where the money is not so plentiful. In the meantime, stay home, stay healthy, stay crickety. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.